0: Hi, friends! Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we're talking about season four, episode 16. Who are you? Okay, and we were just talking right before the podcast. We were cracking up because I have been so incredibly bored with this season, especially compared to how rich season three was. And then five is also incredibly stellar. Um, But the past couple episodes, ever since Hush, I've just been really bored with things. And I mean, like, uh, this year's Girl was fantastic. But I sat down to like do my research for this episode and watch it and everything. And I was like, I have so much. I don't think I've written this much stuff in so long. And I was like, how did we do this every single time we recorded every week for season two and season three? Because oh my gosh. I was like, how discontent am I that I'm like over here super bored, but then I finally get a really good episode to talk about and I'm like dying because of all the stuff I have to research. It's so funny
0: because I feel like every time we record, I'm like, I can't wait to get to this episode. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so good. And then we get there and I'm like, oh my gosh. But then I listen back to the recordings and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I get excited. It's because in the end, there's just so much. And I feel like, I just regurgitate a lot of knowledge. And then at the end of it, like, if I listen back, I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot I said that. Like, I'll listen yeah. in the car or something. And, like, right before I ma- I make a point, like, I, rem- like, I like think in my head, like, oh, I should have said this. And then I say it. I'm like, good for me. Good for me. That was a good Be like, one. Like, past Leah was on top of her you. game. I was yeah. about to say, I was like, I can't tell you how
2: many times I'll listen to your recording. And this is—I'm not joking. This is not like a—I can't even tell you how many times. And it's like one time. This happens several times. So we're all thinking. I'll be like, my uh, train of thought will be one way. I'm like, oh, I wish I like I want like I wish myself said this, and then I say it exactly
1: as I'm thinking it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because of our neural pathways. We've have these well-worn trails, and so when our brain hears something. It immediately goes down this one train of thought, and so when you're hearing the exact same thing several days, weeks, months later, your brain's going to go down the well-worn path, and it's going to go, "Oh, this, this is what I think about that thing." Which is why we should always be learning something new. So, well done, True. podcast listeners, for listening to our podcast. Because <laughs> you're going to learn you something be smarter.
0: new. <laughs> As I'm literally just like brain dead halfway through this podcast, I'm like, where can you <laughs> learn? And
1: my brain is like, I don't know what to say anymore. Don't you guys just love my wonderful segue right there? I'm actually like actively patting myself on the back right now. I'm getting real good at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but actually this episode marks the halfway point for the series. Isn't that crazy? That's
0: crazy. It's crazy to think that we started it like during the pandemic. Because that yeah. feels so long ago.
1: Yeah. That was uh three years ago.
0: That's crazy.
1: Three years and like yep. two months, right?
0: Yeah. Cause we didn't yeah. It was like around April. March
1: or April. We are officially about halfway through the series. Well, we are halfway through the series, but we're about halfway through the podcast. I guess that means – about halfway through the podcast, Um, but we actually have some exciting news for you guys. If you've ever been impacted by our content, learned something new, or just had a blast listening to us, you can now show your support by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash becomingbuffy. We also have a member tier starting at $3 a month. So the first tier will be our watchers. That's for those that just want to show their support and you guys will get a shout out from us on social media as a thank you. But our second tier, our Scoobies, is probably the tier I'm most excited about and you guys can probably guess what's coming. Spoiler section. So for $7 a month, back by popular demand, our Scoobies secrets spoiler section. So For those of you who've been with us since the beginning or have even gone back and listened to some of our older episodes, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, For the first three seasons of Buffy, we had either a spoiler section or an episode that discussed how each episode fit into the series as a whole and also into the series of Angel. Um, It was so much fun. I learned a lot. I know you guys learned a lot. I know several people have been asking if we're ever going to bring it back. We've been trying to figure out how we can make it work, and this just seemed like the best way to do it. And. The spoiler stuff will be on the off weeks from the normal pod. So next week you'll get the spoiler stuff if you decide to join the tier. And our last tier is for the Slayers. I know we have one more tier. Isn't this crazy? So at $12 a month, our Slayers will get access to choice live recordings. You heard that right. Slayers will get to sit in as we record certain episodes. So, you guys will get to see the full behind the scenes experience, hear all the bloopers, watch us be ridiculous, see how much editing I actually do, and see how long it truly takes to record an episode. Um, and this won't be every single week. We'll probably do it occasionally. Um, but you also get access to everything available in the Scooby tier, as well as the ability to vote on bonus episodes. And you'll get producer credit on the podcast each week. Holy cow. That is so much, but again, try to make this worthwhile for you guys because, you know, we we create this podcast because it's a labor of love. We love the show, we love doing this. Um, we're just simply monetizing to help offset the costs of creating the podcast. So we figured, you know what, let's make this fun. And just so you guys know, all of our regular content will always be free. It will never go behind a paywall. But either way, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Just knowing that you guys are out there listening to us, it makes this just so much fun for us. And we hope that you guys love it as well. So, All right. So uh, Who Are You? It aired February 29th, 2000, and it was written and directed by Joss Whedon, which I'm like, hallelujah. It has been since, I think, The Freshman that Joss has written. And I don't think he directed The Freshman. I can't remember. But Joss hasn't written a full episode in a long time. And you can just tell. Every time he comes back on – or his stuff, his work comes back on screen, I just – I'm enamored. I love it. He's an awful guy, but man, he can write some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's also –
1: we give him a lot of credit
0: for his writing and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve that a lot of times, but I also think that when you are the one who creates the characters and has a very mm-hmm. clear vision of where you want them to go, I feel like of course your episodes are going to be a little bit more on par because right. you've set the tone. Um, And I think that that's something I have to remind myself because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I hate that some of my favorite episodes are just like the ones that were just Joss. But then I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Like, He was the creator. He knows these characters best, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, And so it's like, of course, his episodes a lot of the time are going to be the ones that kind of hit the hardest because it's his vision.
1: Right. Yeah. So who are you? Basically the tagline for the season. Um, Interestingly, while this episode is mainly about Faith and from her point of view, the episode also informs us about Buffy. Mark Field writes, While the identity theft is the whole point of the two episodes, the title, Who Are You, gives us a theme for the season as a whole. That's what Buffy has to find out. Just who is she? When Faith takes on Buffy's identity, we learn a great deal about who Buffy is like as a result. Buffy's mother loves her. Buffy has friends who treat her with respect, and include her in their lives. Buffy has a boyfriend who's tender and treats her with respect and love. That acting as the slayer results in gratitude from those she helps. Most important, Faith learns that Buffy is the Slayer and as quoted by Faith herself to Forrest. So I thought that was really unique because I always thought this this episode is very Faith-centric. But really, like, we're watching Faith discover who Buffy is and that's, like, a big part of her catalyst. Um, And it's just, like, a clever – reminder for us too, like, once again, bringing the show or the season and the show back centered around Buffy. Cause we talked about how the past couple of episodes, it feels like the show has veered towards Riley a little bit more in this season, making him the emotional center. And these past two episodes have put Buffy, um, a little bit more in the center of everything, which makes me really happy.
0: It's just crazy because if they had taken that kind of writing and like Attention to detail into Riley's character, yeah. um it would be just so different because this episode and the past episode really clearly shows that you can focus on someone and highlight someone without taking the focus off Buffy like yeah. this episode is about faith, it's about faith, like it's mainly about faith, even though it's Sarah Michelle Geller's acting. You still are learning and understanding. The main character which is what you said sarah and mm-hmm. so it's like that's kind of what riley should be doing for buffy is mm-hmm. like as we learn buffy or as we learn riley we're learning more about buffy like it should they yeah. should kind of go hand in hand and it frustrates me with these episodes because you see it done so well and then it goes right back to the riley arc that just is not
1: as like oh it doesn't hit as hard So the credits actually read Eliza Dushku as Buffy instead of as Faith, reflecting the fact she is playing Buffy in Faith's body for the majority of the episode. And both girls, I mean, let's just get this out of the way. Both girls did a fantastic job. I'm typically not a huge fan of body um, swapping episodes and like the trope in general, typically because it's really hard for me to buy it. It's hard for me to actually look at, look at a character and be like, "Oh yeah, you're definitely the other character." I feel like it's just it it pulls me out far too often. This episode is the sole exception. It is the only time I've ever seen that done in such a way where I forget when I'm watching, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, that that is Buffy. Like, no, it looks like Faith. Like they just embody it. The way they talk, their mannerisms, the way they move, and it just it's incredible. And while both girls did a stellar job, Sarah Michelle Geller had the ridiculously hard challenge of she had to act like Buffy, she had to act like Faith, but she also had to act like Faith acting like Buffy, which was really, really hard. So it was kind of like Buffyception.
0: <laughs> it's crazy because I've been re-watching uh, Wizards of Waverly Place and um, there's an episode where um, they, they have like a body switching spell and um, – Selena Gomez's character Alex switches with the mom's character, and so they get swapped. And then, um, like, then the the boys Justin and Max switch with someone else. And it was really interesting watching that episode and seeing which actors could better handle the task. Right, um, right. The mom handled it well. Like, I watched her, and I was like, "That's you're acting like the daughter." Like, uh, Selena Gomez, even though she was super young. Um, I feel like did a really good job. Like a lot of the things, her mannerisms and stuff. I was like, wow, it was honestly more of the boys that I was like, this is a little bit more. Like you can tell it's just kind of acting. Um, yeah. And obviously it's a Disney show, so it's like there's gonna like it's kind of harder <laughs> because like you're kind of it's kooky, um, not as right. serious. Um, but I totally get that that understanding of like it is, it's hard to like play Mm -hmm. a role and then play a role within a role like oh that is that's hard hard work
1: yeah and both curls both of them nailed it it's fantastic so eliza jishku was actually filming both this and bring it on back to back which is kind of cool they're being filmed at the same time and i mean that movie is just fantastic it has a couple of buffy characters in there
0: i need to rewatch it it's been a long time i have a question so in bring it on the character has a has a fake tattoo around her yeah. arm because there's uh-huh. this iconic scene where they're like, you can't have a tattoo, like, and be on our cheerleading team. And then she she licks her middle finger and then rubs it off, like, kind of giving, like, an F you, um, but also, like, showing it's fake. But the tattoo is – it looks exactly like the one that she has it as is. Faith. Yeah. Is it on purpose?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dang.
0: I remember watching that after watching Buffy
1: and being like – that's really familiar. Yeah. It's in the same place, I think. I I think it's on the same arm. I don't remember. Um, But yeah, since they were filming them back to back and Buffy was so huge at this point in time, they decided to make a very obvious nod, which I personally love.
2: I love when movies or shows do that. makes me happy.
1: Yeah, I do too, especially when it's something I really love. All right. So just – A really quick brief recap kind of of where we've been at with Faith like through season three, and I'm not going to go fully into it because we obviously talked an entire season about Faith, but if you have not listened to our season three episodes, particularly the later ones, Bad Girls, Consequences, Choices, that kind of stuff, highly, highly recommend them. They're some of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded. I just feel like the Faith episodes are so rich and there's just so much to talk about and it will really kind of tie in together with what we're going to talk about here today. But I will do my best to kind of do a brief recap and kind of catch everyone up on kind of how we view the show and how we see a lot of these themes Um, just because I think it's really important because this episode kickstarts Faith's redemption arc, um, which I don't think is a huge spoiler because I feel like that's kind of where we're going. so I think it's important to kind of know where we came from. So season three was all about making the most ethical choice and then accepting responsibility for one's choices. Our, our season three theme was choices. Throughout the season, Faith was shown to constantly refuse accountability for her actions, instead blaming them solely on Buffy. She's an incredibly sympathetic character, a young girl that has had a rough upbringing, chosen without her consent to be the chosen one. Just like Buffy, she just wants to forge her own path and be a normal 18-year-old girl, yet her life is dictated for her. We talked in the last season about how Faith struggles with not having her own space as Buffy already occupies it. There's there's only meant to be one Slayer. This is the first time in the history of the world that there's been two Slayers. And so Faith kind of got the short end of the stick. She came into, like into her chosen life with another Slayer already being there and possibly being the best Slayer there ever is. And so Faith has always wanted her own space, and that's just been really hard for her. And you can kind of see her wrestling with that in season three. Um, but by the end of season three, the show is very clear that the consequences that Faith experiences are solely the result of her own actions. And the show holds her accountable for that. And they show a very clear distinction from when Faith ceases to become the victim and starts becoming the perpetrator. And that's not to say that Faith isn't always a victim of her circumstances, but the choices that she starts to make start to uh, catch up with her and she has to be held accountable for that. And that's ultimately what Buffy does. Yet in all of that, Faith never takes responsibility, which again, that's the theme. She she blames Buffy repeatedly. Um, and I will say Buffy repeatedly goes to bat for Faith. And that's something we talked about a lot in season three. Buffy stuck up for her. Buffy included her. Buffy pursued her. And it wasn't until the moment that she sees that Angel goes down and that's where Buffy, like everything switches for her.
0: Buffy was the one who had Faith back for literally the whole of season three like mm-hmm. it literally it wasn't until it was like okay it's between angel who you just tried to kill or you and it's like of course i'm going to choose angel that she really made that distinction but until then she gave mm-hmm. she gave faith every opportunity she stuck up for her she spoke the best of her like oh that's why it makes me so mad because i'm like. Because I've seen takes online where it's like, why didn't Faith trust, or why didn't Buffy just tr- like trust Faith and trust Angel? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you guys don't understand. She was yeah. the last one to trust her for for so long. Like it was literally just her fighting and defending Faith like for so mm-hmm. long, and then yeah. and then Faith did this. Faith did this after trying to kill Angel. we're going to talk about
1: this. Yeah.
0: And then swapped bodies with her and then had sex with her boyfriend and then left and went and met up with her ex-boyfriend who she tried to kill. Like, I just get so mad. (laughs) Luffy had every right, every right to be mad, every right to, to think ill of Faith. Every right. That's
1: all. I will save my thoughts for that episode because obviously I'm going to talk about it over on Sanctuary, but you guys aren't going to be there for that episode. So let it all out now. <laughs> no, you will be over for 5 by 5 though. So guys, stick around for that or don't stick around, but you know, keep in mind that uh, extra episode that we're going to be doing or they're going to be doing over on Investigating Angel in a couple of weeks. It's going to be good. So I, that's valid, Leah. That's totally valid. And it makes it even creepier because you know that Faith specifically was trying to edge out Buffy by mm-hmm. the middle take to end of season life. three enemies. Yeah, take over her life. So this episode is just kind of the next step in that.
2: I just never thought I would end up, well, is this still spoilery, but um I just never thought I'd end up liking Faith because I think as a kid, I only saw all the negative things that she was doing, which are fair again, obviously. But I was mm-hmm. too young to realize the nuances of a character like her um and so i just hated her mm-hmm. in high school i was like mm-hmm. i also was a goody two-shoes so watching somebody disrupt everything and then hurt buffy i was like i hate this girl get her out of here um but then also as you get older and then you realize people aren't always the actions they 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 do like that is a fruition of what they're feeling but like people are more complicated than that Um, yeah and just like i don't know like she's she's an episode that you just learn to understand and appreciate more
1: um at this point in the series so all that this is where we're at. We see that Faith believes that she is bad and incapable of making the right choice, yet, she buries this self loathing under her hatred of Buffy. We saw last episode in This Year's Girl that Faith is continuing to blame Buffy for everything, which is why it's brilliant that they swap bodies. It also changes the meaning behind her dream in the last episode when she crawls out of the grave, you know, victorious or seemingly victorious from conquering Buffy. Because Faith makes Buffy out to be her biggest enemy when in reality it's actually herself. So it's so interesting Mm -hmm. that she crawls out of that grave and is like, oh my gosh, I defeated Buffy. But it's like, who do you really need to defeat? It's yourself. And I just think that's so interesting. Um, and then lastly, the show leans very heavy into Plato's philosophy that integrity and responsibility lead to a happier and more fulfilling life. And by walking in Buffy's shoes, faith is able to see and experience the differences between their lives. and it also to experience what it feels like to actually live out the slayer life the way it was meant to be, a life of sacrifice for people that you serve. Um, and so, again, I just I think this is so brilliant.
2: I love that we kind of pop right back in to the, like, right where we left off in the last episode. We're still at Buffy's house. They're wheeling out Buffy um, as Faith in Buffy's body is kind of, like, she grabs Joyce's hand as she's wheeling out. And you can kind of see it from Buffy's perspective as she's, like, all hazy. And, oh my word, I'd be fuming. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the cop comes up and he's like, I'm glad we finally got the kid. And she, like, Faith like snap. she's like, She's not a kid. I mean, she's very strong.
1: <laughs> hmm, hitting something there, Faith. And got some issues.
2: And I mean, I feel like we should just have like a um a little recorded thing that's like, Sarah Michelle Gillard is a great actress in this episode, because I feel like I'm gonna be saying this this entire yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, but my goodness, her just her nuances, like her snapping, but then being like, Oh, she's she's very strong. Um, even just like her facial expressions, like Everything. Um, The cop is like, oh, Faith is very dangerous. And then Joyce goes inside and she has that little ominous look of like she truly is.
1: It's it's actually so interesting too because they have Joyce being like, I just hope she can get some kind of help. Like Joyce is being very sympathetic yeah. in the way that she's talking about it, which immediately sets you up for, oh, this is where they're going with this episode. They're going to have Faith come face to face with the – um like the consequences of her actions and to see what would happen if she was to live differently and to see that maybe the problem is her, not other people. I just thought that was really interesting because normally it would be easy for like Joyce to be like, oh my gosh, glad she's gone. She almost killed me, almost killed my daughter. But instead Joyce Mm -hmm. comes at it from an angle of compassion, which is really clever because Faith's going to have to be like, oh, they didn't push me away. Maybe I pushed them away. Like maybe I'm the problem.
2: Yeah, but I think it's also important to note too that like Faith, one hundred percent was expecting, um, like Joyce and Buffy to be talking bad about her behind her back to be like, oh, you know, she finally got her comeuppance or whatever. Like, like waiting for Joyce to kind of, because I feel like if she's in Buffy's shoes, Joyce is feeling the comfortability. To right. resort back to how she would talk about faith with no one around—that's oh, true. But the Tams. fact that she's yeah. not doing that, she like, actually
1: sticks I, up for exactly her. Exactly.
2: When it's just Buffy there, should show that Buffy has her back. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But of course, she's not going to hear that right now. You know. I will say, okay. So the scene where like Joyce is asking like, um, like oh like or she's saying like oh like I missed you, and then um, Faith is kind of like. Oh, I would never let anything hurt you. And then Joyce gives her a hug and she, like, brushes her off. She's very uncomfortable. But then, like, oh, my gosh. The performance of after she shoves off her, like, Joyce with a hug. Joyce is like, oh, like, I missed you. And then she's like, Ha, I knew I wasn't coming here or whatever. And then Joyce offers to, like, hang out soon and is very understanding of her being busy. Mm -hmm. I... I got the fact that Faith was very, like, genuine this moment. She was like, yeah, you can count on it, like – like we can hang out or whatever. That felt very
1: Buffy-like. Yeah, I agree. What what cracks me up before we get into that is that Joyce can take one look at Buffy after she loses her virginity with Angel and sense something is off (laughs) and that she's different. But when her daughter's body is literally taken over by someone else, she's like, oh, it's just Buffy, you know, being weird and having like a foul potty mouth like Faith. Like, I don't know how Joyce didn't get that something was off here but
0: i feel like she did but i feel like it was probably more of like maybe she's just kind of weird because of college like maybe it's just like (laughs) she hasn't been home in a while no but Mm -hmm. i mean like maybe it's just like oh she hasn't been home in a while maybe she's just like like kind of get like finding her footing again Sure, Um, yeah. because i definitely get the vibe that like she can sense something is off but also like everything with faith going on she probably thinks that that's kind of the issue like there's a lot going on so i have a feeling that like she just kind of assumed that it was something that it wasn't.
1: Yeah, that's fair. No, but back to your question, Tabs. Um, Yeah, that did feel very Buffy-like. And I mean, again, every interaction that Faith has with people in the Scooby gang, this episode is intentional. It's supposed to mm-hmm. slowly tear down her walls, and it's supposed to reveal something about who Buffy is. So we're seeing that Buffy and Joyce have compassion for Faith, and they both love each other so much. And that. Buffy's mom is willing to spend time with her daughter, and wants to spend time with her daughter, but is also going to give her the space to come and her on her own terms and on her own time. She's not going to force it on her. And so, faith, like let's look at the mayor. The mayor did not give faith those kinds of freedoms. Like he was like, "Here's your," cl-. he bought her clothes. He was like, "No girl of mine," or whatever. You know how he had just like those old fashioned ideals. Um, it's very similar. We've talked about in. Uh, like a couple episodes ago with Maggie Walsh, this idea of like kids are going to be kids and they need to be like super protected and we need to kind of like control them until they become of age. And even afterwards, we need to control them versus Joyce and Giles are very much like we need to let kids experiment and figure out who they are and provide that safety net for them when they're willing to let us. Um, so, yeah, I just think that it just shows a lot more about uh, who Buffy is and and that's all to give Faith a whole new experience.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's going to be plenty of that in this episode. Oh, yes. Um, so the creative choice to not have music <laughs> in specific scenes in this episode yeah. is so jarring. Like we jump straight into like the bathtub where she it's complete and utter silence. You hear the splashing of the water so loud. And she's just looking at her legs. And then we jump to her looking at herself in the mirror. Like kind of checking out all of like Buffy's like up close facial features and all that stuff. Um, And then we have like the iconic, you can't do that. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part where she says like, it's naughty. I was
1: like, <laughs> I'm dead. This part always feels like a fever dream to me. I think it's because one, this is an odd place in this season for this episode to be in, but also because we've been so focused on the initiative, college, Riley, sci-fi, Adam. It, it's felt so jam-packed. But even through all that, I'm bored out of my mind. And then this episode takes all of that, pretty much grinds everything to a complete halt Mm -hmm. and takes its time and slows down with it. And yet I'm the least bored I've been since Hush. Like I am completely glued to the screen. And I think the show is intentionally showing the contrast between what's happening with Buffy and with Faith. Like Buffy's fighting for her life over here. Faith is like got time to kill. And because of that, I think it's supposed to be representative of what happens when you are forced to slow down and be retrospective. You can't use um the things going on in your life to distract you from coming face to face with your choices, and I think that's what they're trying to show here with Faith is that like she is going to be forced to have to kind of evaluate some things.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of um stuff that needs to be addressed in this episode it's like and, and you feel like it's not going to and this is uh, like i mean at this point I've, we're talking about this episode so like uh, for the longest time i never saw i never seen all of the crossover angel episodes and so ending it on this episode i was just so frustrated being like oh my gosh she still isn't addressing it because this episode kind of like gears into a lot of rough stuff the angel or not angel that faith is like trying not to face um and then just dips.
1: And so for years I was just mm-hmm. so <laughs> angry. But the quick cuts with the no with the no music um and just the bathroom fan makes you question her sanity. Like it it oh, feels a bit sure. like American Psycho. It's really kind of creepy.
0: I like it though cuz it's showing she's not in a stable place. Like she's she's got a lot uh, going yeah, on. And I mean even even uh the the mayor was not a sane person and that's the person she pretty much idolized. So it's like of course she's mm-hmm. not going to be stable.
2: So in the hospital, poor Buffy wakes up kicking and screaming. She has like so many <laughs> hospital workers penning her down. And she's like, she has my mother. She has taken my body. And then they put her under again. Poor girl.
1: I, I know I keep talking about the the scene in the mirror. I just think it's so interesting. You know, you have Faith looking in the mirror. We talked about shadow selves. But also Faith holds up her gun, her hands like a gun. Um, and that implies that Faith sees Buffy like she would a cop, someone who holds others accountable and upholds the law. And Faith has a real problem with authority. So it's like, oh my gosh, she's a white hat. Like she's making fun of that. But again, at the end of the episode, Faith actually starts to become like that.
2: Um. So we go into Tara's apartment. I feel like we haven't been here in a while. I feel like I've just been like missing Tara. Like she's been like so sporadic. Um uh, and so we see Willow like feeling super comfortable confiding in Tara about faith and like she's very like I I think I think this is what helps Tara realizing that like um Buffy isn't Buffy later on in the episode because I think that she notices how honest and open Willow is about her friends um and yeah. just people that she's known so I think that Tara is able to feel the comfortability by being like Willow wouldn't lie to me about who Buffy is um. So therefore, this can't be Buffy, and there's also obviously other reasons why she tells that it isn't Buffy. But like, like you can see right away that like she is including Tara and in so many parts of her life. And I think that it's hard because it's like, I mean, obviously at this point, this episode is pretty obvious of you know there will the yeah type the subtext becomes text yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. This is the one episode where it's like really like especially at the end of the scene she does the whole like iconic I am you know yours um mm-hmm. line. But I feel like in this moment, Tara, I mean, we don't know much about Tara's past, but in this moment, we kind of get the sense that maybe Tara has been this secret relationship or that she's used to kind of being that person that people don't want to show around. Um, and so like, she kind of like asks, like, oh, it's okay. Like I'm not, they don't know about me, but I know about them. Um, and I, And I do feel like in this scenario, I don't, I don't get the sense that Willow is like, Not wanting to show Tara off to people, it's more of her just being ready and like enjoying the fact that she can feel this out before she brings her friends into the relationship or brings Tara into the friend group. What do you guys think?
0: I think Willow's hiding her. Really, she is
1: controversy.
0: No, I do. I do. I mean, she Tara. I mean, put it into perspective. When Willow had a crush on uh, Oz, she told Buffy right away. When um when she was into Xander, Buffy knew. Like, every time Willow has experienced any type of emotion, Buffy or someone else has known. Um, especially when she started dating. I mean, she she Angel and Buffy were doing things. She pretty much told Buffy she was like, I wanna know, like I wanna be a part of it. I think that we've always seen that desire in Willow to like share and be a part of things. And like she's telling Tara, everything about her friends, and her friends know nothing. They don't even know she's hanging out with her as, like, a friend. I 100% think she's hiding her. I don't think it's necessarily, like, a always a conscious thing. I think it's just, I definitely think that there is a part of her that is keeping Tara to herself.
2: I think there's a lot more nuance here than just, like, hiding somebody. Because I feel like we have to also take into account the... Uh, time in history that this was, um, it wasn't really just like a normal thing to be dating somebody of the same sex, but also like this is her first. Like you said, you bring up like her having a crush on like Oz. She goes and talks to Buffy. I think this is a little bit different than that. Like she's trying mm-hmm. to feel out her emotions in the situation. And be like, do I romantically like Tara? Like I don't know if it's like a hiding her because she's like scared. I think it can be that, but I think it also can be multiple other things.
1: I definitely think that Willow is hiding Tara and she says that. She says that um I sort of just like having something that's just to you know, mine. Willow is enjoying this time of having Tara all to herself because she knows as soon as she introduces Tara to the Buffy group, or into the Buffy group, as soon as she introduces Tara to the friend group, it's going to become more about Buffy. They will lose a bit of that privacy, I think is what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say. A bit of that privacy and a bit of that time where they can really just focus on each other. Um, And once they join the friends group, like she says, you know, it's it just kind of – it revolves around the slayer and slaying. And once I introduce you into that, like – I won't be able to just have that time with just you. Like Our relationship might turn into everything about slang. Oz Mm -hmm. and her would go patrolling with Buffy and stuff. And so there's that potential for it to become that. And I think that Willow's not necessarily against that. I think she just wants a little bit more time where it's just her and Tara and she gets to have that separate from slang. And this, this season's all about identity. Willow's making a distinction and Joss in the show is making a distinction that this is something that is extra important in Willow's life and this is now a part of her identity this is something that is willow's she's now a lesbian she's in a relationship with tara she's into witch stuff these three things are completely separate from buffy and the show is making a distinction for that because they don't want it to get all wrapped up into the buffy thing stuff just yet because being a slayer is not who willow is it's who buffy is you know 100
0: percent. my only disagreement is and i will die in this hill i know some people get mad at me <laughs> I don't think that Willow is a lesbian. I think she's bi. Oh, you think she's bi? I think that it just be – I think – She was in love with Oz. I will die in that hill. She was in love with Oz. Yeah. She she liked Sander a lot. Like, I 100% – She likes women. That's that's not in any sort of – Right. But I think because it was in the 90s, like, it was Mm -hmm. either you like the opposite gender or you like the same gender. Mm -hmm. There was no nuance. Um right. and so I think looking at it through a lens of like today I look back and I'm like mm-hmm. I think she liked both Yeah but
1: yeah I would agree with that It also wouldn't be taken seriously if they said bye like she right, take people it would be like, "Oh, it's just a phase. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. actually tar- care about Tara that much." Yeah, um, and I do want to say, like, for everyone, you know, everyone goes ah and at the end of the scene because it wasn't all in our heads. We were starting to see some signs, <laughs> so we like sure yes. that- <laughs> yeah, right, ah, uh, we were actually seeing a romantic relationship forming. It wasn't. I just feel like. <laughs> Sorry
0: to everyone who's been listening, because this has been probably the worst kept spoiler we've ever done. Hush, we were like, bam, so bad about. I feel like it's because it just was so obvious that it's like. Duh, but I apologize to anyone who we spoiled that.
2: that I will
1: I
0: will say though (laughs)
2: that I feel like when it comes to Buffy as a show, there are certain spoilers that are just iconic or just universally known. Yes. And people who have never really seen Buffy, the fact that it's the first like like relationship of like a same-sex like relationship. Like not just like a a casual thing or, or like a phase thing. It's like this is a monumental relationship, and so a lot of people knew about it. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know,
1: and I want to talk about the music real fast right here. Um, Willow and Terrace theme plays quite frequently throughout this this episode. Um, and it's beautiful. You have the single notes playing on the piano with a few unresolved harmonies to help build the tension. So like as Willow says, you know I just want something that's just mine and then she says I should check with jazz and get a situation update and then Sarah, Tara says, I am you know and then you have the music come in. Um, so you have like the piano playing a few notes that has a, a couple of harmonies um, but they're unresolved. And it helps build the tension, and then as soon as Tara says "yours," the descending chords bring it to a resolve, and it sounds like something just clicking into place. Like it's amazing how it like it just does that, da, 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 da. like it just slides right into place. And this was at a time we just talked about where they had to get around the censors for a gay relationship, and they are using a lot of subtext and a lot of nonverbal communication through the the magic through the music. And so in this moment, uh, Christoph Beck is using the music to say, yes, this is what you think it is without having to outright have say
0: theme. it. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And also having the whole, like the sliding chords, it's like something mm-hmm. clicks into place. Like, aha, that's the moment where we, we figure it out and they figure it out. And it's just very yeah. clever.
2: So back at um, Buffy's house, Faith is uh, dressing like herself and Buffy's body. Um, and then uh, she has curly hair. Every time Buffy has curly hair, she's not exactly <laughs> herself. Um, and that she, I okay, call me dumb or whatever. Maybe there's just so much that's happening this episode that I legitimately have never noticed that she bought a plane ticket. I don't even think I processed that she was at the airport what? every time I've seen this episode. I'm being dead for it. That's yeah, funny. I don't know. So I can't tell you the last time I've sat down and watched this episode, but this is usually one that I like to, um, go and watch people react to on YouTube. And usually that edit is taken out of her like buying Mm. the plane ticket and going to the airport. So I think I've just forgot that it was in this episode. But she like, she buys the ticket out of Joyce's money, right? She takes money out of Joyce's wallet Mm -hmm. as well. And I'm like, oh, yikes. Like I just, I forgot about that detail.
1: Yeah. Which FYI, that expiration date is actually a foreshadowing. She says 501. Um, It's supposed to represent May 2001, which is uh, a bit over a year after the finale. It's a year from the finale of this season. So it's foreshadowing um, season five finale. I didn't know that. And Yep. It says expiration 501.
2: Uh, So Joyce comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, just getting mail. Um, And then uh, tells her that Giles calls and has news. And then uh, Faith is like, oh, I have some time to – to burn maybe i I can go and see the insides of the scooby gang
1: she's like i have some time to burn let's go ruin buffy's life for real
2: (laughs) i haven't done enough damage yet yeah she's like i just got this body let's see what i can do with it um and then takes the lipstick that faith in her actual body was looking at and then realizes that that mistake and that joyce kind of points out and then she's like burn it but i think it's part of like her identity as faith She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be associated with that anymore because I'd rather be Buffy, which is funny that she's yeah. saying that, but then she's also being Faith as Buffy. You know what I mean? Like you're still like the essence right. of you.
1: Yeah. The The script actually says Faith's eyes go dead. She stares at Joyce a moment, then tosses her the lipstick. And I mean, Faith is literally self-destructive. She hates herself. So she's like, get rid of any remnant of my past self.
2: Um, So we see poor Buffy in the back of like a cop car. Um, She wakes up slowly and the cops in the front are like, hey, we got to make sure we get her in before she like fully wakes up. And then they just like crash into a car.
1: (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Well, no, the car crashed into – like, it purposely pulled out in front of them. The watchers did so that the police car would crash into yeah. them and then – When yeah, I watch watched it, I was like, what in SWAT the world? team. And then the initiative
2: yeah. walks out – or not initiative, sorry. The um, council walks out. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when it crashed, I was like, what in the world?
0: I don't understand how the watchers have all this funding. Like, how can they afford to just <laughs> burn a car? Like, I don't understand. Like, how do they have, like, full SWAT gear and all this stuff? Like –
1: I just don't like where are they getting this money um generations after generations of old money from rich white men who probably invested the in it's never running out Yeah well I mean it's not that hard. Imagine a time before technology, you go to a bunch of old people and you say, listen, the fate of the world rides on this weapon that we have. And they show the slayer. They're like this woman. So we need funding. And you have all these wealthy people who are fearful of their life that buy into this idea. And pretty soon you have a fully funded cause that you're able to manipulate quite easily because you're basing it off of people's fears but you're also basing it off the suppression of 50% of the population which is women like cuz you have a bunch of potentials it there's an idea that they are they are also training potentials around the world as well so this this thing is like pretty fully funded
2: and then we go to Joyce's house and then faith shows up um and even just like her body language like she sits on the desk like she's just kind of like leisurely enjoying like seeing what everything is you see her kind of like scan everybody and you see her like see anya and she's like um everybody
1: <laughs> yeah okay so this part was so interesting so something i noticed and Pasha the nerd pointed this out as well so the shot of faith entering jowz's apartment is shown from behind with like from faith's point of view and it feels a lot like she opens the door it feels like coming home there's giles leaning over the counter everybody kind of like stands up to greet her like they're excited and happy to see Mm her um and this is such a contrast to the last episode remember faith looking inside the window and they had the fire going on in the fireplace and buffy and riley and everybody was in there and they intentionally made it very like cozy and then faith was on the outside looking in And there's also the exact same sound effects that they use. They have wind chimes playing in both episodes. And so they're showing that Faith wants acceptance and doesn't want to be on the outside. And so like her ability to walk in as Buffy versus as Faith, she's forced to be out in the cold is a very intentional difference. And it Mm. shows that, you know, Faith is going about, she wants this, she wants the right things, but she's going about it the wrong way. And I also think there is like a little bit more of a, a metaphorical thing like you could talk about classism here too you could talk about how somebody doesn't have the same privileges like they walk into a room they're not going to be accepted the same way obviously obviously faith had there's reasons why they don't accept her the same way that they have but it just it makes for a very interesting distinction
2: and then just like the subtle acting of like body language that only faith would do <clears throat> sarah michelle Geller kind of like when she's talking about like kicking buffy's ass she does the whole like fist to palm action where she slaps them together and only faith does that like oh my gosh the body language between both eliza dishku and sarah michelle Geller that they do with each other is just really really good and like, i feel like smg gets a lot of praise for this episode and rightfully freaking so but like like when eliza dishku comes in later she does a fantastic job of how she just nails the way that buffy speaks um but especially in this episode I, are this Part right here, I just noticed that like the whole like um fist to palm thing. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so faith.
1: Mm-hmm. The difference between uh Faith and Buffy is that Buffy holds herself very poised, very still, not stiff, but she doesn't have a ton a ton of movement. She will move her head around a lot, but that's it. Um, Faith has a lot of shoulder movements, she, the way and a lot of arm movements. And she moving moves her, just her body yeah. all the time. Faith
0: is very expressive.
1: Yes. Versus, like, Sarah Michelle Geller plays Buffy as very, like, restrained. And you see that Eliza Dishku is making a conscious effort to hold herself very still. Um, and it's very, very funny. Like, I'll talk about it later when she comes in. But it was almost distracting because you could just see Eliza just being like, keep
2: still, keep still, keep still. Um, so Jazz tells him that Faith is no longer in police custody and faith looks very alarmed by that and then tells him that the council took her all the way to england and she just like maniacally laughs she's like that's rich she's like this is just working out perfectly for me like i get buffy's body and then buffy's taken far away from me this is just amazing um and then she says that she's happy because faith is evil and then she th- have this, like, whole, like, interaction between her and Willow. And you could tell that, like, Faith clocks and remembers that interaction
1: in – what was the episode that she gets taken? It was Choices. That was the yes. episode – was it Choices? It was – yeah, I think it was Choices. The one where they try was. to steal the box. Is that one uh-huh. you're thinking yep, about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Yep, Willow gets captured and she kind of gives her, like, a whole mouthful because at that point, it's, like, a breaking point for mm-hmm. Faith's character because they've, like, Faith is very obviously at the, with the mayor at this time. She's cut ties. She's like fully, you know, on the villain side. And Will kind of gives her that mm-hmm. mouth off and is like, Buffy was always there for you. Like all that sort of stuff. And so you can see Faith being like, oh, that's right. Like you've never liked
1: me. That's really interesting, Tabby. Joss intentionally put that in here because he wants us to remember that moment where Willow called her out and said, yeah. your choices are your own because that's pivotal. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, no one had done that to Faith yet. People have tried to like be nice to her and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but Willow was the first one. And I feel like out of all the characters, she'd be the one to do that only because she was more of like observing how she was damaging a lot of the relationships. So it really worked. Um, and then you have this whole Faith imagining like killing Willow in front of everyone. Jump
1: scare. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, know. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I forget every time I watch it.
2: Oh, and then, oh my gosh, Willow just like notices Faith eyeing her up and down and just <laughs> is so in tune with it. She's like, hey, like, oh, what's wrong um and she's like i never let her hurt you and like willow's just like so like moved by that but i'd be like so alarmed if my friend was looking me up and down like that like the (laughs) disgust in her face (laughs) was so funny to me i i would
0: just kind of be like i feel like i'd keep being like what like what like why do you keep looking at me like i would be like well she's like
1: glaring literally glaring daggers at her it was like "Mm." seriously i'd be like are you good like what's are you okay? And of course, we have to have the obligatory mention or like nod to the fact that Faith slept with Xander. I feel like every time Faith is talked about or brought back in, we have to have that conversation. Yeah,
2: my goodness. I would not be have that brought up so much, especially when I'm dating somebody new. I'd be like, okay, we don't need to be talking about this every time.
1: <laughs> okay, so this next scene with Faith dancing in the bronze is really, really interesting. So I have a quote from Music, Sound, and Silence, and They say this technique of extended characterization through popular music is employed most succinctly across the series in moments of identity change and or crisis. Xander's hyena presence in the pack is brought home first to his friends in the way he occupies the bronze to the accompaniment of dashboard profits and then to the school in his slow motion prowl. Who can forget that? Glossed by Far's Job's eyes in Who Are You? The transformation of Buffy to Faith in Buffy is always tentative until she decides to take on some version of Buffy's life, a transformation which, of course, can only be celebrated at the bronze, where faith in Buffy embraces her rewritten Buffy potential by dancing to, the song she's dancing to is Nerf Herder's Vivian, appropriating what might be understood as Buffy's band. So Nerf Herder wrote the theme song for Buffy. It's what we hear in the opening credits every single time we watch an episode, and Nerf Herder actually only plays twice live on Buffy. It's this episode, and then again in empty places. So the book is implying i know such a random episode but there's a reason why they also they play in that episode we'll get to it when we get there but the book is implying that it's almost as if faith is appropriating buffy's song in an effort to completely take over her life kind of a cool metaphor but also weirdly a breaking of the fourth wall like joss put this in there to be like oh look faith is the slayer now she's taking they're over like, buffy's show they have like that band on payroll they're like eh, come in for an episode Right. No, they probably they probably did. Um, but I, I'm like, I could just see Joss high-fiving himself or giving like a wink to the camera like, huh, look at me being so clever, so smart. It's very meta. But I think that is so fascinating that it's nerve herder. Um, also, the book points out that this is also the episode in which Willow introduces Tara to Buffy and to her slaying life via the representative role of the bronze. The bronze is kind of like their place to hang out, and it's also the place that willow sees as cool so like the girls even talk about they come into the bronze and they're both like wow this is really cool and Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be willow showing tara her life and the first place she decides to take her is the bronze says the girls concur that the scene is cool meaning inseparably willow's life viewed through the bronze and the bronze itself and in thinking about it i realized that willow often uses the bronze as a barometer for her coolness and she will in the Mm. future too so anytime willow's like there's a big change or something, it's typically represented through what's happening in her life at the Bronze. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Like, I don't, I can't get into spoilers, but there's like an episode I'm thinking of in particular um, in the future. But yeah, I just thought that was really interesting.
2: Well, and then she notices uh, faith in Buffy's body right away. And she's like, oh, Buffy was supposed to be patrolling tonight. And she's just like, <laughs> like chug, chug, chug. <laughs> And I love how that's supposed to be seen as, like, someone going wild. I'm like, uh, she's not doing anything. She's just, this like, is really hyping tame. someone else up. <laughs> I know. That's so tame. I-, I could walk around in a bar and somebody would do that and I'd be like, yeah, Chuck. And then walk away. And I'm, like, drinking But it water, also you know? shows,
0: like, how, like... <laughs> mellow Buffy is like that someone would see her like this like, yeah, that's true like whereas like I feel like if someone saw me doing that they would literally not bat an eye because it's just like a normal behavior but it's like Buffy's so composed that it's just kind of funny
1: that that's how yeah. they view her well remember guys beer bad smoking bad so anytime you see someone drinking or smoking bad. They're bad they things. must be the bad guy 96,000 <laughs> yes.
2: censors they're like bad bad you're a bad character who smoke <laughs> and drink.
1: The script is hilarious because this moment where Faith bumps into Spike, it says they recognize each other. Except Faith has never seen this guy before.
2: <laughs> yeah, we haven't even had an episode where they bump into each other at all because the episode the only episode in season three that like Faith really wasn't in was when Faith or when Spike came back.
1: I feel like these two could do some damage together. Like oh, yeah. this interaction, man. Okay, let's it's talk about it because this combo. is interesting. <laughs> bad in all the best ways.
2: Well, as she's taunting him too, like, like sexually. Like this is the first time we've seen Spike be like sexually flustered by Buffy. Like when he like throws the bottle against the wall and is like, it's it's a mix between being mm. angry. But then also. Sexual frustration.
0: Yeah.
2: And I'm like, oh, this is the
1: first time we've seen that in Spike with Buffy. Interesting. Which we have known that there's a part of Spike that is attracted to Buffy based on his first interaction in school hard. He was very much sizing her up. He makes several sexual comments to her. I think it's
2: more of like the predator and like the prey. Whereas this one, it was. Sure.
0: It was like. Buffy's also (laughs) untouchable for him. So it's like the idea of like the person that you're not supposed to and also just like the person that feels out of your reach is like now all of a sudden like giving you something. You're like, whoa, like I haven't really thought about that.
1: Buffy is not the type to lord stuff over spike yeah. and throw things back in his face like she's just she doesn't care about him she's like whatever she ignores him half the time and in this one the fact that faith is like taunting him it's like really funny that it's turning spike on mm-hmm. <laughs> but again i like
2: this is what i was trying to say earlier is like it, when he's attracted to buffy initially in season three and season two it's like this he's the predator she's the prey and for him being of like a, without a chip, like a full predator, a neutered predator? he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's turned on by that because it's like, that's how he plays with his victims. And she seems so innocent mm. and small, whereas now he's getting flustered and angry because he's not seen this side of quote unquote Buffy where she's like sizing him up. She's saying, I have control in this sexual mm-hmm. relationship or with sexual fantasy or whatever.
1: Um, and I think he mm-hmm. just was like, huh? <laughs> he was not expecting that. Also, I got to say, the chemistry between the two of them in this scene
0: is more than I
1: felt between Riley and Buffy. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) Buffy has chemistry with literally every other character on this screen. Like, oh my gosh.
1: So whose fault is
0: it? Sorry, I mean, that's so mean. I don't mean that.
1: I, just, I know who is the common know. denominator and who is no, but not. I, yeah, I don't.
0: I don't think that it's it makes uh, the guy who plays Riley a bad actor. It's just sometimes actors don't have chemistry. Like I've seen really good actors and actresses on screen together, and they just don't have chemistry.
1: Oh yeah, that is true. Yes, I think about um, this is a super random movie, but The Tourist with Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, two oh, I never amazing saw actors. And two amazingly attractive actors and zero chemistry, like zero. That movie was so boring. And it was like, I'm looking at like two of the most beautiful people on the planet and there's like nothing between them. And yeah, I agree with you, Leah. There can be the best actors and zero chemistry. Also, Spike (laughs) I get this chip out and you and me are going to have a confrontation. I was like, what kind of confrontation that's what I was are we talking too, about? about. <laughs> Spill it out here, Spike.
2: Bill's yeah, because then he like s-
1: smashes his beer bottle and you're like, hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of funny seeing him like all angry like that. Like that's the first time we've seen that through um, him and Buffy. Um, okay. Tell me why this next scene in the tunnels <laughs> was here in this episode.
1: <laughs> For real. I- uh, like we what just pretty much breeze past all of the Adam scenes because let me tell you, the reason this is in this episode is because we have like a handful of episodes until we get to the end of the show. Just they have to have Adam in possible. here. Yeah, This is supposed to be the episode. Okay, so ugh, I hate this. So the past couple of episodes, they've been talking about how Adam is – like not sure of who he is. He's not sure of like what his mission is, like like all that stuff. And so then he kind of like leaves to go find like who he is and stuff like that. And then these like all the scenes with him in this episode are him being like, "Well, I found my purpose. My purpose is to destroy the know, world and kill screen. all living things." Realize it. And I was like, "Well, where have you been, Adam? What have you been doing? What got you to this place? Why did you decide to do this? Why why are we taking this one-dimensional bad guy and making him the big bad like to destroy the world oh my gosh how for a season that was the master like angelus wanted to destroy the world but at least he made more of an impact on buffy there's nothing with this guy he is not compelling in the least
2: His whole monologue is stuff we've already discussed for four seasons. He's talking – also stuff we've already figured out. He's like talking about like what drives
1: vampires and what's their fear. And I'm like, haven't we already discussed this? wow. Have no clue. Please definitely elaborate. It's not like we've been watching a a show about a vampire slayer. For real. Like Angel himself and Spike themselves have already give us
2: an insight of what vampires fear and what they love and what they don't love and what drives them. Like we already know this. Like I don't care about these random vampires you find give a monologue to. Also, I'm just looking at my notes and I never write stuff that doesn't relate to like the um, the episode or whatever. And I have a whole bullet point that says I'm so bored. <laughs>
1: I'm dead. No, seriously. I My notes are, I got to say, I do not remember the scene at all. It's the least interesting <laughs> yeah. thing about this episode. I literally <laughs> always block this out of my memory. Like, every
0: time he shows up, I'm like, oh, what? Like, I always forget because he's just so freaking boring. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care.
1: It's, oh, I hate it. I hate it. I think this, this episode feels like Joss trying a bit to do damage control with where season four has gone. And we will talk about like Restless, the season four finale is Joss's, like, he's said this publicly, like, it's his damage control episode to kind of like bring the episode back where it needs to go. Um, the fact that he's trying to make a correlation between adam and vampires and that they're both hybrids and that they both like you know have like some similar goals and stuff this is joss trying to make adam relevant and he's trying to find some way to make adam terrifying so he has to relate him back to vampires and be like oh my gosh buffy's mortal enemy vampires and adam are now joining forces oh my gosh how bad is this going to be for her but we're just like i i don't care i don't care i think at it's all. also you know it's a bad season
0: or just a bad storyline when every time we're dissecting it we have to go I think um I think they were trying to go this way. I think they were trying to do this because it's not clear. It's not. Like we're tr- we're trying so yeah. hard to give it some depth and hoping that we're right because it is just not there. <laughs> like we it, like uh it's bad. For me what makes me realize
2: that the season was not really doing it for my storyline is the fact that there are no stakes to me emotionally and i'm i'm not scared going into the finale every finale going into any sorry going into any buffy finale i'm always like scared that maybe one of them will get got and i'm like how embarrassing i'm not even I, <laughs> i'm not even worried that someone's gonna die in the finale because how embarrassing would it be to go out by adam that's not going to happen. Like,
1: no one's going to die by Adam's <laughs> hand. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not scared yeah. at all. Right. All right. Let's just <clears throat> do a real fast cursory of all of the Adam scenes, and that way we can just breeze past them from here on out. So Adam tells the vampires he wants them to go to this church, and that's that's everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to address their fear. That's what it was. That's what I realized. Only when the vampire went into the church and said, I'm not so scared anymore, I was like, oh, that's why he's here. I didn't even get yes. it until you said that.
1: Yeah. Ultimately, Ultimately, all of this is just to have Adam in there to say, hey, he's still here. But secondly, because they have to have vampires be the ones that Faith and Buffy go up against because that's ultimately what brings Faith back is it has to be vampires. It can't be a random demon because she is a vampire slayer. So it was a direct call to her and it was it showed her taking responsibility for her calling for the first time ever. So it had to be a vampire. They had to get the vampires there uh, through Adam because they needed Adam to be on. So like Adam is just shoehorned into this episode, honestly. Yep. Okay. We don't have to talk about it anymore the rest of this episode. Yay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sarah. Doing the Lord's work. Um, um, So the Watcher's Council, it's really interesting. As soon as Buffy wakes up, Weatherby, one of the guys, says, well, it's awake. So we recorded She with Prophecy Girls over on Investigating Angel um, a couple of weeks ago. And in that episode, the misogynistic tribe of men, they seek to control their women and refer to them as it. Um, And I think it's really interesting that the Watcher's Council is a representation of the patriarchy. So this feels very intentional. Um, poor
2: Buffy wakes up in a truck in, like, a warehouse somewhere, and then the council dudes come in say that she's going to um, the council in England, and then one of them just kind of, like, calls her trash, spits on her, says that the council used to be something that was very, like, respected, and then she came in just... You know, ruined
1: all of it. um this is actually a an interesting conversation for Buffy to experience as faith because while this whole conversation is aimed at faith, Buffy is what really ended the council's power by her firing them. Mm-hmm. She made their power invalid. like there's no reason for them to exist honestly. well, that's why they're pressed. Right, but they're blaming it all on Faith when it's actually Buffy.
2: Okay. And then this whole bronze scene is very stacked. So let's get into it. So she introduces Tara to Buffy and is like, Hey, like this is Tara. She's a like a in my Wicca group. She really helps me with a lot of stuff. Um, and then you could tell that Faith is like relieved. She's like, Oh, we haven't met. Sorry, I'm really bad with names. Um <laughs> And then they go and sit down and then like Faith is sitting very like spread eagle. She's very relaxed. This is very much reminding me of Faith, Hope, and Trick. Um, mm-hmm. when she's like sitting and lounging on the couches, it's like all about her. And then Willow's like, "Hey, like I'm gonna go get some drinks." And then Faith clocks a lot of those longing stares that Tara gives Willow, and it just reads into it real quickly, um, and just goes right in. She's like, "Wow, Willow's not driving stick anymore. Who would have thought?" And then just purposely just goes in is like. And Oz is out of the picture. I've never seen two people so much in love. She just can't get enough of old Oz. Like, oh, poor
0: Tara.
1: The worst part is Tara's stutter comes back. I know, and we haven't heard it in forever. (laughs) I know, but
0: it's also like it's so interesting to see how, like, quickly Faith is able to like pinpoint things that just
1: hurt. Yeah, that seems to be a staple of Joss Whedon's villains. They um, they use the truth uh, to twist it and then stab you with it.
0: Well, his good villains, not Adam. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's rough to watch, but it gives us a lot of
2: insight to Faith's character. Like, it wasn't outright said, and yet she doesn't really know Willow, and she saw it immediately, which I feel like maybe might help in the situation if she doesn't know Willow because, like, she's looking at stuff objectively, whereas if this was actually Buffy, she might not have picked it up.
1: The worst part about this is the way that Faith says this. It could be denied. If someone confronts her and says what you're doing is mean and cruel, she'd be like, what? All I was doing was talking about – Like she never explicitly said, oh, you and Willow are together. Oh, or Oz loves Willow. Willow's still in love with Oz and all stuff. Like she she says things in a pointed enough way that Tara understands what she's trying to say, but it, it doesn't have to come back to bite Faith. Like Faith could say, that's not what I meant at all.
2: Oh, uh, Willow comes back and is like, hey, like I think that – um Look, look at that guy over there. She's in this downright state. Um, and then Faith is like, oh yeah, it's painfully obvious. Um, and then she kind of sits back and is like, oh, that's right, I'm Buffy. I need, gotta do what I gotta do as a slayer. Um, steps up and then grabs the pool stick, which is like this is classic. Was it the harvest? Is that when Buffy with mm-hmm. the pool stick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very fun to see that again. Um, Walks out. The guy is already feeding on the girl. Poor thing. Um, and then faith breaks the pool stick and then oh my gosh this action part within like two seconds was already so great she like stakes him with like ease um from the backside too like usually i feel like buffy kind of like has this like fist to fist combat with them and then usually kicks him a lot and then stakes them from the front and then she just kind of like
1: stakes him from the back she
2: grabs him and then pulls it over
1: Well, it's really intentional because the guy was holding the girl against him with with her back to him and feeding off of her. So Faith stakes him the exact same way that he was feeding off the girl. And I think Uh, that was intentional. that's
2: cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if we've seen much of that. I, I just noticed that. I was like, oh, that's a different way. Yeah. It was a cool
1: subversion. Yeah. Yeah, In in which it showed intent on Faith's part. She wasn't just out there to just like, okay, stake them and then leave, which which initially what she was going to do, but she got out there and she makes that whole comment about how she doesn't like to see um, men picking on poor defenseless women. I don't know if that's in the episode, but she says that in the script.
2: Oh, she does? That's on the episode.
1: Yeah, this is in the script. It says, picking on poor defenseless women. Well, that really gets my dander up. And he continues feeding. And then she says, hey, and then stakes him. So I think that- oh, I wish that was kept in. We all know that this is the moment that Faith like starts to turn a little bit of a corner, not fully, yeah. but this is the beginning. Um, And so I think that this kind of shows a little bit of Faith's ownership in her role as a slayer, as a protector of the innocent, specifically of women.
0: That's well, and cool. I think that she's like- Actually, for the first time, stepping into the role with, like, no connotation of who she is. Like, the only connotation is Buffy, like, the Slayer. So it's like she feels the freedom to, like, be the hero.
1: Yeah. Which like you said, Leah, this is the first steps in faith experiencing what it feels like to do good just for the sake of it, not because you're going to get something out of it, not because it feels good, which, I mean, that is a byproduct of doing good, but you do good because it's the right thing to do, because it's wrong, because it's right, you know? Um, So we talked about the paper by and Richardson last episode, um, and they talked a lot about uh, the look of the other. Um, So in their paper, they say, whether intended or not, the body switch is a brilliant device for exploring the impact of Sartre's view, like the whole outside view predicates, which is that Faith can see herself as Buffy sees her, since she is seeing herself, or at least her body, from Buffy's point of view. Faith thinks that she finally has the opportunity to take over Buffy's life, a life which, at some level, she's always wanted, and they establish that multiple times throughout this this episode. So she gets the look from this girl who sees her as a hero, a champion, someone worthy of admiration as well as gratitude. She sees the look from Riley. It establishes Buffy, not faith in Buffy's body, as someone worthy of love and respect. Um, And at this point, Faith is disturbed and confused by these looks. She's having a kind of moral experience that has not been available to her before, but she is not yet ready to fully appreciate all of its ramifications for her possible future. So it's like we, there's only been a little bit of a look from Joyce at the beginning, too, when she loves her unconditionally, even when she won't come home, or when Buffy's supposedly not coming home very often, and when uh, she won't give her a hug and stuff like that. Like, it's just that unconditional love um, and then Riley and the girl and stuff. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, mm. Well, and just like the
2: tenderness of like the victim just being like, thank you so much. Like he was so strong. Like the certain terms that she uses feels very like non-vampire, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not watching this scene thinking, like, that was a vampire sucking on her neck. I'm thinking – I'm viewing this as, like, a mm. real girl in the situation by being, like, yeah. desperately, like, up, genuinely so afraid in that moment by being, like, I have no way out. He's so much stronger than me. And you could right. just see the trauma in her eyes by being, like, thank you so much for getting me out of this situation. And mm-hmm. I, you could see that weight of her tenderness on face body like she has to shake it off like physically has to shake it yeah. off afterwards um and it's like oh like no big deal or whatever it was
0: beyond just killing like she saved someone yeah. and i think so much of what faith views slaying as is just killing oh we get to kill we get to because we're powerful and like mm-hmm. this was the first time like she was protecting not killing
1: yeah well she's realizing oh I have the power, and I probably have just gotten used to being able to protect myself without thought for anyone else. For the first time, Faith's having to think of someone else other than herself Um, and thinking, wow, I have this power. Maybe I have this responsibility. Not to, you know, quote Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, but, you know, the shoe fits.
2: Yep. Well, and then Faith goes back inside, and then Will's like, hey, like, Tara doesn't feel very good. I'm going to take her home. And then she's like, you give her whatever she needs. (laughs) Okay, fair. <laughs> that part was um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Will's like, hey, like, will you be in later or are you gonna go see Riley?
1: And her face lights up. Oh my gosh. We haven't even gotten to the scene yet. Okay. Before Spreasing we get there, we the go watches. back into <sighs>
2: the warehouse where four poor Buffy is like kicking on the floor, is making a lot of noise to kind of attract one of the counselor dudes. Um the counselor. Council dudes to come in. Um <laughs> And then she like chokes him by like the the neck and kind of like as like, Hey, I'll pop his head off. Like, Cherry, if you get any closer, just like unlock me and I can get out. And then they're like, you know, we all kind of knew going into every single situation that like there might be possibilities of this happening. So like if you kill him, like he had a co- he not had a coming, but he knew this might be a possibility. And the poor dude is like, Are you, are you joking? Uh, <laughs> And they all walk away. And then, of course, Buffy's not going to kill him. She kicks him out. And then they jump scare into this next scene. (laughs) Oh,
1: gosh. All right. Let's let's get it over with. Let's talk about it.
2: Uh, Before we get into that, though, I think that there's a scene in between in Tara's apartment um, where two besties – just do a platonic spell together and nothing. <laughs> just
1: a little bonding. <laughs> <laughs> so Tara Tara tells Willow, "Hey, like I don't think that was your friend. I think that uh Buffy's actually been possessed or that something's up with her." Which I was like, "Wow, that's incredibly intuitive of Tara." Yeah. But also it just goes to show a how little much Tara... too
0: intuitive, <laughs> a little conveniently intuitive.
1: I mean, you people talk about auras all the time. I mean, I, I think it yeah. makes sense in a witch perspective. Um, but I also think it also goes to show that Tara really believes Willow when Willow tells her that Buffy's totally. her best friend and she's a good person. Tara's like, there's no way that Willow would be friends with someone that cruel cool and that mean. So, therefore, like that plus the aura must mean that this is not actually Buffy. Um, So Tara's like, hey, I know a spell. We can do it. But then all of a sudden they get all breathy and she's like, I'm going to have to be your anchor. And we're like, what kind of spell is this? Is this the same (laughs) kind of confrontation that Spike was talking (laughs) about earlier?
2: (laughs) Um, Kind of going back to what you said about like, like Tara knowing that Willow wouldn't be friends with someone like the Buffy that she saw. I think it goes to show how much trust is in the relationship that we just haven't seen so far, how far they are into their, like, emotional relationship at the very least. Um,
1: yeah. Well, and that's shown yeah. by Willow saying, I trust you to be my totally. anchor and stuff. And the best – the funny part is that, you know, Tara's like, wow, this is just, you know, this is going to be really intense and stuff. And Willow's like, well, I guess I'll do it if it'll help Buffy.
2: <laughs> She's like, I guess. It's just
1: – Oh, gosh, oh god! Oh god! And then
2: it. I was about to say <laughs> the same thing.
1: <laughs> this trauma dump of a
2: scene. Oh my gosh! And like Riley, huge props. Was like, okay, okay. Actually, you know what? Before you even say that, I found this super interesting. That, I mean, obviously we know that that Faith is a very sexual person, and that there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like it is important to note. The way that she's talking about having sex with Riley, it, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily just like a, oh, let's like explore and experiment with someone that I love because like that's a safe space. But the way that she talks about it right away is like, what do you want to do with my body? Like, what are some fantasies mm-hmm. you want to do? It's like she doesn't view sex as like a connection. She views it as like a, almost a tool like an object-
1: object- to use but- people.
2: Well, that too, but, like, it's also, like, she doesn't view herself as someone to be loved, but only a piece of, you know, objectifying meat from the male's perspective. It's, like, what they want.
0: It's almost, like, the idea of, like, if I if I objectify myself, you can't objectify me. Totally. Because, like, if I'm offering my body and, like, sexualizing myself, then it's, like, you can't do it to me. Like, it just sounds like Faith has been highly sexualed like sexualized her whole life
1: and so she's just gotten used to Mm -hmm. that kind of treatment well faith faith uses her sexuality as a weapon in order to yeah. protect herself, but also to get what she needs and wants from other people. She doesn't use it as a tool for intimacy, as a way to connect with someone else. And so what's happening here is we're seeing the representation of that. We saw, I mean, we we saw her use men constantly in season three. You had Xander, but also the way she talked about it with Buffy. She's like men are animals and all this stuff. She doesn't believe okay, that a guy awesome. can actually be good. <laughs> Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Marty Noxon's peeking through. Um, This part is actually really interesting because Buffy crawls on, or I should say Faith crawls onto the bed, and we have this shot of Sarah Michelle Gellar's rear end as she goes up, which is highly unusual for this show. Um, and I have this quote, it's from James Middleton in his book, Buffy as femme fatale, the cult heroine and the male spectator. It says in a scene where faith in Buffy's body tries to seduce Riley, the camera cuts to a medium close-up shot of her leather clad backside, ostensibly Riley's point of view shot. James Middleton notes that this is a rare case where the audience gaze is positioned in a highly fetishized relation towards Buffy's body. However, Middleton notes the show disavows this viewing position by reminding the audience that it is Faith's positioning the body, connoting its look at me-ness. Buffy herself is disconnected from this image of her body. Riley, with whom the viewer is identified, disavows the shot by appearing confused and taken aback rather than sexually predatory. This shot obviously is could be ha- highly fetishized. And that's something that I really do appreciate about Buffy is r- like very, very rarely do I feel like we're looking at Buffy in a overly sexualized way that feels creepy and icky. Like the, the show does a fantastic job of portraying Buffy as very like we call it male-coded. Um, not a lot of butt shots, not a lot of like slow pans up and and stuff like that, except in a very epic type way. And in this moment, they're talking about how the show is even kind of trying to subvert that by saying that even though this is a shot of her rear end, by having Riley be uncomfortable and by having us observing this
0: Mm -hmm. as
1: not Buffy but as Faith it's not actually sexualizing of Buffy even though that's like what Faith is attempting to do it's
0: in in its simplest form we are not supposed to be comfortable watching it like we are supposed to watch this and be like oh like this is so weird because that's never happened before because it doesn't happen with Buffy um which is a really mm-hmm. good way to do it. And I, I just, honestly, major props to Riley. I mm-hmm. think he handles this so well because he doesn't make mm-hmm. who he thinks is his girlfriend feel weird or bad about being hypersexual in that moment. But he just kind of, I don't know, reminds her that like he doesn't want to just like get it over with. Like he just wants to, he wants to have sex with her, but like in mm-hmm. a very intimate way. But but he doesn't make her feel bad for Wanting something a little bit different, like I, I think that that was a really Mm -hmm. good character
1: choice. Riley wants intimacy and connection in this moment. He doesn't want to just use her body, and Mm -hmm. that's what throws Faith.
2: Well, and then she's like, "Do you want to play?" Like, kind of like trying to pry out these like probably gross fantasies and scenarios that she's experienced from other guys. She's almost giving them an out, but she's also in the power and the control in that situation. So, like Leah said, she's exploiting herself. But also having power while doing it. But it's like you don't have to exploit yourself to have power. Like you like you just have to pick the right people. Like you don't have to do that. It, you, you don't have to do that if you're surrounded by people who love and respect you. And I think this was just like a moment of her really seeing that through Riley's perspective. It just sucks that it, this is like literally the R word. <laughs> um, but yeah. like, like – and I think we just have to say it like it that's what it is. It's like it, this is fantasy, mm-hmm. sure, but like he didn't consent to this and he didn't know this was
1: in Buffy. I think it's also important to realize that this is not just a rape of Riley. This is a rape of Buffy too um, because Faith took over Buffy's body without her consent and then used her body for this. Um, this is just – this is horrible on so many different levels because Riley is not consenting, doesn't understand what's happening. Um and you have faith. It's almost a self flagellation in this moment where she is doing these things because one, she hates herself, but two, because she's trying to punish. Buffy, who she says, oh, this is all Buffy's fault. So I'm going to like do these horrible things to Buffy's body with Buffy's boyfriend um, as kind of like to get her back for all these things. And so it's just like, there's multiple levels and layers here of of icky and awful. And I do want to say that like, and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode. Um, the way that the show kind of portrays this is more of a glossing over of, Riley of what happens to Riley um when I think that it should really delve into it a little bit more. I mean, having Buffy, Buffy understandably is hurt and is, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But I just I think it's important to note that like there's this very, problematic view that men can't actually be raped because oh they they would that would imply they're enjoying it and that's the Mm -hmm. farthest thing from the truth Mm -hmm. and so i think there tends to be like through the show playing down riley's his response to it and other people's responses to what happened to him they're almost saying that like oh riley wasn't that affected by it because secretly he really did enjoy it or it wasn't that bad for him but in
2: his head this is this is buffy so like, like this whole different set of trauma that's not obvious to everyone else because it's a mental thing. It's like he enjoyed and loved Buffy in that moment, but he also, this is the first time that you hear him say, I love you. He told
1: her that I love you. That is a
2: huge it's so cool. part of the relationship. Like there's a huge innocence that was taken out of him yeah. in that moment when it comes to Buffy. Like, um, okay, before we jump there too, like there was a part that like, like she's like, oh, like do you want to play or whatever? And he's like, no, I like, I want us to be us or whatever. And then she just like, she gets mad. as like, well, if you don't want to play, um, and she, it's almost as if she feels very rejected in that moment because she's mm-hmm. only ever used to that type of sexual prowess in the bedroom. Um, and so for him to be like, I don't want to do that. She feels rejected, but then he rails her back in and is like, okay, if you're Buffy, I'm Riley, let's just start there. Um, oh my gosh and then just like the, it just kills me the tenderness of like after they have sex and then he's just like staring at her in such like a loving way and then it's like stroking her cheek with her his thumb like just such tender sweet things that when you're only in love you really get um or in a relationship mm-hmm. and you really lo- like the person like and then he says i love you and she just like freaks out and then gets out of bed um and there's no
1: music Right. And just real quick, like they have Willow and Tara performing the spell at the same time. Like that's very. Yeah, gee, I wonder what the parallel is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking to everyone I know. But again, it's them trying to get around the sensors. But there's like, there's a theory that Willow enters Buffy's subconscious at the same time that Buffy was orgasming. And that's why you have those moments where they like overlap and stuff. Um, oh,
0: that's like a yes. Yeah. Why is that a theory that's weird? Um,
1: well, because – well, Willow's supposed to go inside Buffy's – well, inside, I guess it would – yeah, Buffy's body is subconscious. That's what the, the spell is trying to do because she's trying to see if it's actually Buffy inside there.
0: Oh, that's um, so but weird. But
1: at the same time there, – yeah, there's a lot of things going on. But like they very cleverly have them have sex through a spell and they also have them doing that at the same time that Riley and Buffy have sex. So I just have a lot of appreciation for how the show went around censors because they did it in a very clever way.
2: Well, and then, so, like, there's no music when she stands up, and then, like, she's, like, freaking out, and um, she asks, like, who are you? And then says, what do you mm-hmm. want from her? Not me. What mm-hmm. do you want from her? um, And then he, he, you could tell he's just like, oh, he's so hurt in this moment. He's like, should I not have? And then she just says, this is meaningless. And he looks so pained in that moment, but puts it aside because he sees that she's shaking, realizes there's something else happening, and then covers her with a blanket. Um,
0: what she says to him reminds me of a, like, it gives me similar vibes of when um, Angelus was, like, talking to Buffy and how she was, like, like, it was so meaningful. And, like, he's like, oh, like, that was nothing. Like, mm. it, obviously, it's not exactly mm-hmm. the same. It's I don't even think it's supposed to be a parallel. Um, But it's just the same vibe of like, oh, you just gave something so precious to someone and they just like Mm -hmm. either aren't reciprocating or pretending not to reciprocate. Like, that's just so sad. But it's the same type of thing of it's the same body, but it's not the same person in there. Like with Angel is Angelus. With Buffy, it's Faith.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Passion the Nerd has a really... Interesting quote. He says, if genuine meaning in life is derived by living through ethical choices, then Faith, who hasn't been doing that, can't trust that Riley's love for Buffy is genuine. She herself has been used and manipulated throughout her life, and her defense mechanisms to see the world as a cold and meaningless place are on display here, but things are beginning to reach her. Dikes, dude.
2: Oh, my gosh. And then he's like, what happened? And she says nothing. The first nothing is very, like, open. And then you see her go colder and she's just like deciding to be like this is nothing. Like that's her, like that's normal faith. When she's starting to feel something, she's like, Nope, I'm gonna turn it off. It is nothing. Back in Riley's room, it's the next morning. Buffy's dressing, or Faith is dressing, and uh Riley's button up and same leather jeans. I'm like, some of these fits, I'm like, why can't Buffy wear this, this is so cute? Like just like an oversized button up <laughs>
1: with like leather jeans is so cute. But it's it's intentional that from here on out, Faith starts dressing more like Buffy and less like Faith. Um, she takes Riley's shirt instead of hers, which is so interesting. Uh, we saw her pick up the sluttiest thing, I say that in quotations, that Buffy had when she first took over her, her body as a way to like uh try to reclaim her own identity over Buffy and be like, Oh, I'm my own, like I'm gonna I'm gonna punish you, Buffy, but I'm also gonna like, I'm gonna tarnish who you think you are and like assert her own identity but we're seeing her kind of starting starting to morph into more of buffy's identity in an effort to distance herself away from who she was um mm-hmm. and i think that's so interesting
2: um she's walking downstairs to get outside and bumps into forest oh
1: our other person that we just love so much yeah, for real.
2: i will say he was less infuriating in this scene still annoying but i will say him saying like hey like He's supposed to be resting. I get that. But it's also like, this is Riley. He knows his limits. But it's also not your business. Yeah.
1: Okay, Forrest.
2: And then he calls her a killer. And then Faith snaps and is like, I am not a killer. I am the slayer and you don't Hmm. know the first thing about me. Interesting.
1: See... Season Faith would disagree with season four Faith. Season three Faith was like, no, we are a killer. Like I remember her saying that directly to Buffy. Um, We talked a lot about how Faith didn't live her life with integrity and purpose, and her rejecting being a killer shows that she does truly want that. Pastor the Nerd reminds us that the slayer is a symbol for adulthood and meaning through choice. This is Faith wanting meaning and purpose in her life and wanting to accept her calling. And we're seeing both sides of Faith. So we we talk about this when it comes to shadow sides. The two sides of the of ourselves cannot be at war with one another. One one side will eventually win over the other and consume it. And that's what, you know, we have the that's what the assimilation process is. And we're watching Faith starting to kind of assimilate with her buffy side, you know?
2: Um, and then Force Us or he's like, You really care what I think? And he can see her being like, No, I don't care, but she definitely does care. The thing about faith is that she always will care like we saw that in season three yep she cared a lot about what everyone thought about her uh back of the warehouse buffy um grabs the gun from one of the council guys and then gets out and drives away obviously it's a lot more it's like a four minute scene but that's basically what happens <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay that's what happens excellent summarization thank you
2: um, and then faith makes it to the airport you could tell that she's just like i'm over this like i just can't do it anymore like uh, she's forced to have to address a lot of things but being sunnydale as buffy and she's like i can't i can't do
0: that but it's like so interesting that even even as buffy like even in the life that you know she's always said like buffy you have it easy and all this stuff like even in that life she still needs to run like it just goes to show like it doesn't matter whose life she's in, whose body she's in, like,
1: it's still her. Her consequences are catching up with her and, like, she can't outrun herself. Is that what you're saying, Leah? Like, she, it's – she's yeah, the Yeah, like, she's
0: – yeah, she's always said,
1: like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. well,
0: if, if I had your watcher, if I had your friends, like, all this stuff, it's like, well, you
1: did mm-hmm. and you couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And you're you're messing it up. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a moment in the in the script that's not in the episode where it shows Faith going back to Buffy's dorm room and it says that she puts on the most buffiest outfit, like the buffy's casual outfit ever to take off. So again, that assimilation between her shadow side, I say in quotations.
2: and then we go back into Giles's house and then Buffy as Faith walks in and Giles, oh my gosh, Tony head. the scene his, is so cute. So funny. Like his, like, him like being so still when buffy walks in and he looks like scared but he's also like uh what do i do he's like she's just sitting in the middle of my (laughs) my house oh and then she's like like uh eliza as i mentioned earlier like this seems just such a great job she's like stop inching you were inching like the tamper that that line sounded like buffy Uh uh-huh
1: that was so good
2: or when she's like, she's like, "Hey, like, I noticed that you were a demon by looking at your eyes. Why can't you just look in mine and be all intuitive?" Like the way that she said that was very Buffy as well. That's a
1: really, really good point,
2: writers. Uh-huh. Why is that?
1: I'd like to know.
2: <laughs> um, and then she's like, "Ask me a question," and he is like, "Well, who's president?" <laughs> she's like, "We're checking for Buffy, not a concussion." <laughs> And then she starts like spewing off like all these things that she knows about him, and then mentions that Joyce mentioned that he was a what was it a um, Stevedore? What's a Stevedore?
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, that's enough. He's convinced real fast. So Will and Tara come in. They're like, yeah, we know that that's Faith in Buffy's body. We actually have the little Catra thing, which hilariously enough is a Star Trek reference. Uh, it's an exchange really? of consciousness. Yeah, it's a. Uh, they believe it's a reference to the Vulcan mythology, um, which I think it means spirit. Um, it's it's supposed to represent an individual's living spirit, and and it can be transferred to another body via mind meld. <laughs> um, so they they have a way to get Buffy and Faith back together. They just have to find Faith, and then Xander calls, says, "Look at the news," and that's when we have both Buffy and Faith from the airport and Giles's apartment, seeing that there are vampires taking over this church because, of course, it's vampires.
2: Uh, And so at the church, we see that Riley is already there talking to the cops. And
1: what was the excuse of why they couldn't go in? Well the police have it locked off because they don't know that it's vampires. They just think it's like men holding them oh. at gunpoint and everything. I saw Riley and I didn't I haven't seen this episode in a long time so I didn't remember why he was there, but I saw him in the suit and I was like, "Oh my gosh." I was going to joke and be like, "Haha, was Riley late for church or something?" And then he literally said, "I was late for church." And I was like, "Of course." They really was. just want to
2: squeeze that innocent like Midwest boy, squeaky image. clean, yep. good
1: boy image. Yes, I agreed. Also, I just want to say it is incredibly significant and important that they are at the church, that Faith's um, moment of um, starting to see the error of her ways is in a church. I just thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like I mentioned before, it's important that Faith also sees that it's vampires not just a random demon because this is the first time that we see Faith on her own feeling responsible for something and then doing something about it. It's a giant step in the right direction because just a few scenes earlier in the bronze, Willow had to nudge her to get her to go chase after vampires. Yeah, this was just her instinct. So Richardson and Rab in their Their essay say, Faith finally comes to recognize a basic moral truth. She has strength and the means to defend the defenseless and therefore has the duty to do so. He concludes, furthermore, she must save the people because the sort of person she will be if she doesn't is unacceptable. We would add that she has already become that unacceptable person, but that she is now beginning to become reflexively conscious of her untenable position. This is a crucial step towards her redemption. Well, Faith comes running in first before
2: Buffy, um, and then bumps into uh, riley and is like i'm buffy i have to do this um and then he's like well then i'm going in with you and then she like fully just like ruthlessly hits his wound and it's like i can't use you and you can see him just kind of being like oh gosh yeah you're right and then she says like you stay out here if people get out um then keep them to safety and then she goes inside and this whole scene is, like, even the way it's shot is very interesting because it's, like, Faith walks in the way Buffy would. So it's very much, like, she's, like, leisurely walking and she has this layer confidence in this scene, which is so important. She walks and she kind of spreads her legs. She's, like, very much, like, she's playing with them, like, verbally, which mm-hmm. is what Buffy does. Like, she's not jumping in and just killing them, like, how Faith would usually do it. She's, like, sizing them up. She's, like, taking this opportunity to to
1: act as the slayer that she wants Mm -hmm. to be. The whole, because it's wrong, the first time that she says it unironically in the episode. Oh, that's so powerful. Such a simple line. So good.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's like she's starting to actually like feel what it means to be a slayer. It's like, oh, there's actually a right and wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not
2: just about power. And then she starts fighting. Oh my gosh, when she stakes that dude and he flips up in the air and then does sick.
1: Yep. I thought that was so cool as well.
2: Well, then she also says like, like, oh, oh, you're the slayer. And she says the one and only. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think she's talking about Buffy here. Like she's not talking about herself. Like this is when I see this scene, I see Faith really actually getting Buffy and being Buffy. This isn't. like faith trying to be herself like she believes in herself she still very much hates herself but she gets buffy in this moment and respects it and wants to be that Mm. and i think there's a huge distinction between that because we see at the end of the episode like she very much hates herself and that part gives me goosebumps and we'll get there but i think faith doesn't think
0: that she can be a good slayer by herself like she thinks she has Mm -hmm. to play buffy to be a good slayer
1: yeah, no, that's spot on, Leah. I think there's multiple ways to interpret her saying that. Um I think that she's trying to distance herself from her identity and so like you said, Tabs, this is her being like this is what Buffy would do, but I think there again there's that sense of responsibility in Faith's mind. Buffy's out of the picture. Buffy's in England. So there's that guilt of sending the only slayer to England and that also that taking of that I the slayer persona, the slayer identity and taking that on for herself and saying, well, this is my responsibility now because the other slayer's gone. I am the only slayer at this point. And I think she's distancing herself from that. She's saying I am the slayer, but she's not thinking of herself as Faith.
2: Well, she feels like wrong and feels like her showing up as Faith to do this would be wrong. So I feel like that's why she has the confidence to be Buffy in this moment because she feels like Buffy is the right person to be this moral hero i guess like i just don't think that she would just see herself as somebody that like would be like the perfect fit or the perfect person to to be the hero like she doesn't see herself like that
1: faith doesn't think she can be good she thinks that she's bad rotten through and through
2: yep um the gang shows up and then giles (laughs) distracts (laughs) the cop he's like in hysteria and then buffy kind of circles around the back And then uh, Faith inside is still fighting them. Um, She stakes one – or no, sorry. She's getting choked out by one of them and is like down. And then from the back we see he gets staked. And then Buffy as Faith is just glaring at her.
1: Well, this is so interesting because I don't know if you guys remember, but we talked about this in season three. We had the bookend slang in Bad Girls and Consequences where Faith saves Buffy both times – um, by staking a vamp in the back, and then the dust would dissipate, and there's Faith standing right there. And I had pointed out at the time that Faith keeps saving Buffy's life, showing that there is hope for her after all, reminding us that while Faith is a part of Buffy, Buffy is also a part of Faith. So because Buffy is good, there's still a part of Faith that is redeemable. Um, but this time, it's Buffy that is saving Faith, um, which is a really fascinating switch, So they're just
2: like fighting each other and then um, Faith as Buffy gets on top of Buffy as Faith and then just starts wailing on her. Faith is like, shut up. You think I'm afraid of you? And then just says, you're nothing. Disgusting. Murderous bitch. You're nothing. And then just keeps saying disgusting, disgusting as she's just wailing on her own face. Like it just – it gives me goosebumps. I just feel so like – This episode is so hard because it's like I see this and I really feel for Faith and I applaud the show for really going into how ugly people can be when they just are struggling with a lot of mental health stuff like she really hates herself like Mm -hmm. she is going through a lot but it's also like that's no excuse.
1: Um, The script says that Faith is crying now. Buffy is merely warding off the blows, not even trying to return yeah. them, which is so interesting because I think Buffy realizes what this is actually about and sees what's yeah. actually happening and is like, uh, I'm just going to let her be. Richardson and Rab again say, these are all, of course, outside view predicates. Faith is finally seeing herself as Buffy sees her and is even harder on herself than Buffy has ever been. Faith has suddenly come to realize what kind of person she has become, which is so important. You can't get to a point of brokenness and um, remorse without first coming face to face with the absolute awfulness of what you've done. That's just, that's a part of that's a part of moving past and moving through all of that stuff. Like you have to, you have to go through it. You have to figure out what it is that you did and come face to face with it in order to be able to move past it.
0: Well, and I think that this is the first time that
1: Faith isn't lying to herself. Richardson and Rab also point out that. Faith's repetition of you're nothing has a deeper significance and they relate it with the Sartrean meaning of nothing as it appears in his book, Being and Nothingness. They say, it is intended to draw attention to existential freedom, to the fact that human beings are freedom, as Sartre would put it. Mere physical objects, on the other hand, are only things and cannot make themselves into anything else. We always have the potential for radical conversion." Faith may currently see herself as a disgusting, murderous bitch, but that can be, for her, a step towards redemption because she is not a thing and can therefore change. We suggest that the repetition of the reflexive you're nothing could be seen as Faith's dimly conscious realization of this possibility. For the first time ever, Faith is realizing she has a choice. She was wearing Buffy's body, but she was making those good choices and decisions, as well as a few bad ones, and she saw and felt the consequences of both, And this is in direct contrast to what the mayor has been telling her. The mayor was telling her, you can't do anything without me. You're going to die without me. You're going to like – like basically you have no autonomy of your own. That's what we saw in the last episode. But in this one, Faith's Mm -hmm. realizing I made these choices, which means I can make the choice not to do those things. And that's so critical.
2: Yeah. Well, and then Buffy kind of raises up her hand and then grabs – Faith's hand, and then their bodies or their, you know, their spirits change again. Um, and then Faith, in her normal body, looks mortified, but then also scared, um, and then leaves. And oh my word, I never noticed this that much. I mean, noticed it, but not to the degree that I did this time around. But Buffy has stained. Tears on her face. They're not like her crying mm-hmm. now. Like they're they're fully formed all the way down her cheeks already. And you could tell, like, oh my gosh, her SMG's acting is just always amazing. But just like the process, like you can see her processing everything. She doesn't say a word, but she's sitting there being like, It's almost as if coming back into her own body, she feels everything that Faith mm-hmm. felt. And she has tears on her face. She looks like mortified. And she puts her hand on her chest. And I view this as very different ways. Yep. It's more of like a I feel for you. Like that that's awful. But also it's like a she felt violated physically. And putting her hand on her mm. body is almost like this is mine. Like I feel like incredibly like someone switched bodies with me. Like that's so incredibly violating. Um just very well written, very well executed. Like just I just really felt for Buffy in that moment.
1: I thought the same thing, Tabby. I mean, I think it it might be written – like Buffy's feeling, "Oh, okay, I'm here. <laughs> this is my body." But I like to think that she is experiencing a bit of the effects of Faith's emotions. I mean, yeah. It's almost as though she can feel the remnants of the great pain that Faith was carrying yeah. in her body because you know, our bodies do respond to our emotions to the trauma. Yeah. So I uh-huh. 100% believe that as Buffy like went into her body as Faith was experiencing all these emotions, most likely felt the remnants of that, which is just that Whether or not it was written
2: down, Sarah Michelle Giller played it as such. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way you cannot convince me that her, her performance was not her thinking through everything. You see it in her
0: eyes. Right. Well, and even before the body swap, Buffy and Faith had always had a connection. So yeah. it's like there's no way that she didn't feel her emotions in some way. Oh, gosh. Okay. And then the aftermath in Riley's room. Okay.
1: The same oh, place my word. that it Why? happened before. Yeah. Why didn't
2: we get a whole episode of Buffy in this outfit? We see it for a split second. I know. It's and super she looks cute. looks incredible. The white, amazing, beautiful. She looks, flo- she looks so good. And she stands, we get like a split second of her standing in the outfit. Like, we are so robbed. And having her hair up in that, like, she still has like the curls as if she feels the remnants of like faith, but it's up in like a little bun. So you don't really see it as much. Um, uh, my gosh, she looks so pretty in this scene. Um, But she's on the phone with Giles. But that's the only positive
1: thing I have to say about this oh scene. Gosh, yep. <laughs> yep.
2: Um, so We find out that Faith and the council are gone. Um, The council's kind of given up and is not going to look for Faith. And then Riley just sits down and says like, hey, like I should have known. And then Buffy just like her face, it just sinks in. And it's not a question. She she doesn't say, you slept with her. It was like a, oh, you slept with her. And then Riley just says, I slept with you. And I have, like, Mm -hmm. Buffy, I don't get a sense that she is blaming Riley at all. And you know what? Like, I would feel incredibly betrayed and hurt, but it's not Riley's fault. And I'm so happy they didn't do that in this moment. They both are victims. Um,
0: Yeah, they're such nuance to the scene like riley is absolutely Mm -hmm. not at fault like he is a victim it like he has every right to be in pain i mean the fact that he says like i slept with you like but then also buffy Uh was violated and is a victim as well like she she didn't have a choice and it was like just and then also like the betrayal of, like, you didn't know's me. Like, how could you not know? Even though how could he? Yes. Like, that's still yes. a valid feeling. Like, both are 100% mm-hmm. valid in what they feel. It's just a really sucky
1: situation. Passion the Nerd pointed out that Buffy becomes kind of distant with Riley, which I feel like is kind of understandable. I would need some time after this. um. But he points out the fact that Riley, like, looked into her eyes and didn't see Faith. Like he thought it was Buffy. And Buffy looked into Giles's eyes and saw that he was a fjarl demon. And so Passion the Nerd was like, you know, it, this also implies that perhaps Riley doesn't know exactly who Buffy is. This episode yeah. is entitled, Who Are You? Riley looked into Buffy's eyes, well, Buffy's eyes, but it was Faith, and said, I love you. After the most intimate act you can have with someone and didn't know it was her, that's not good. (laughs) You know, obviously in a real world situation, how are they going to know? But in the, in the show when Buffy has like just three or four episodes before they show that you can know someone just by their eyes, that's not a good look.
2: I mean, he has no reason not to think it is Buffy. I don't know. I just, I feel for him. That's a rough situation.
1: Yeah. And I'm not faulting him for that at all because that's not a character flaw of Riley's for not knowing it wasn't Buffy. But it it says something about their relationship, I think. And I sure. think Buffy realizes it in that moment too.
2: Um, then Buffy says, I don't think she's coming back. And then Riley says, I guess she's had her fun. And then Buffy kind of looks off and says, yeah, fun. And then the episode ends with Faith writing in the back of uh, like a a van or a crate or whatever that is, um, going somewhere that we don't know.
1: Man, I, I really, really hope the show is going to delve into the trauma caused by this for both Buffy and Riley. But I'm not really optimistic given their track record. They tend to kind of just breeze past things like this, um, and that is that is a huge criticism of the show. Like I, I do really think that the show, I wish it was better when it comes to dealing with the aftermath of trauma instead of just kind of breezing right past it, but. Still, that was a fantastic episode. I am so, so excited to talk about the Angel episodes on Investigating Angel in a couple of weeks. Tabby and Leah are going to be over for at least one of those episodes, and we have another guest for another one, and it's just going to be so good. The Faith arcs are seriously the highlight of both the shows for me, and I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it. So... That was Who Are You? Let us know your guys' thoughts, guys. Do you think that Faith deserves a redemption arc? Do you like her overall arc? Did you even see Faith coming back? We want to know. You guys can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr at becomingbuffypodcast. And don't forget to check out our Buy Me A Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash becomingbuffy. And if you are one of our Slayers or Scoobies, check out our spoiler section on Who Are You coming out next week. As always, guys, thanks so much for your support, and we will talk to you next time.